There was nothing else at all in the whole world but football. Hi and welcome to the Triple F for another episode of Under the Floodlights. A good friend of mine, Oliver Goff, is on to talk about his favourite Leeds United player, David Batty. As a lifelong Leeds United fan, he tells me all about what the midfield general means to Leeds, whether he was more of a physical than a technical player, and what effect the penalty miss in France 98 really had on him. So, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy as David Batty goes under the floodlights. It's, it's great to have you on to talk about David Batty because um, that's a player that I really um, used to admire as a, as a as a kid. And I think, like, I don't know if you have this as well, but as a, I suppose, I, I would say as a child, but I mean, even um, sort of going into my early 20s, I always somewhat wanted to model myself as a David Batty type player, as a sort of midfield general wanting to sort of control the game, be tough in the tackle um, and sort of progress the the, the play up the pitch as, as, from a, as deep as possible um, until I realised I'm much better out on the flank. So I never, <laughs> never really realistic as being a David Batty type player. It's, interest, it's interesting there because you, you uh, dropped in a couple of cliches and I found myself when I was, I was, I was rethinking about this, I found myself sort of, doing the the same sort of thing you know saying how he's um fearless and underappreciated and things like that and i think actually that's why that's why people like him so much people and and that's why people from from other fans of other teams can like him as well because he's the sort of player that would be out there kicking other but you know kicking the opposition and he's doing probably the only thing that as a non-professional footballer you could you could probably stretch to believing you could do mm. like he's you on the pitch yeah and and when like it doesn't matter if he's playing for England or he's playing for Leeds when you see someone like going for a tough tackle if it's your player you're like yeah get in and if it's your position player you're like I hate him but I wish that's what my players were doing yeah yeah so it's like a begrudging respect I, th- I think respect is probably the right word so was he essentially only a workhorse or do you think there was sort of more to his game than that no there was there was definitely more definitely more to it he could pass he could definitely yeah. pass definitely pass um he was it, it's interesting because um he he actually has a really interesting autobiography and he i don't want to say he doesn't pull any punches but he's very he's very honest in it and i mean when he when he first started at leeds he was he got into the first team when he was 18 and um leeds legend billy bremner was manager and billy bremner saw a lot of himself in david batty um and david batty he looked up to billy bremner you know absolutely idolized him yeah and yeah. his role in the team when he first broke through was you're a midfield, cover as much of the pitch as possible, 
win the ball, you know, get on it, uh, move it around. Goals weren't ever really a thing in his head. Um, and then Billy Bramner was sacked and Howard Wilkinson came in and Leeds sort of changed the way they played and became a bit more of a long ball team. Um, and this is something that David Batty is very, he, he's, like I said, he's very honest in his autobiography. And he, he says how we went from pass, being a passing team, which I really enjoyed, and that really suited me. I enjoyed passing to this sort of long ball team. And my role, his role, sorry, my role, his role, <laughs> uh, uh, very much changed in that, in that team where his job was to uh, mop up. He yeah. would get on the opposition, get the ball off them, and pass the ball to someone else. Mm. That became his role. And, and kind of you, you look at like how, how Leeds sort of set up in the, that first year or so under Howard Wilkinson, they played like that. And then they did shift a little bit where he became um, what you alluded to. I can't remember exact, exactly what you said, but where he became that almost back four protector. And I think that's why he was, he was quite coveted because um, you've got to remember that when he left Leeds, he went to Blackburn, who then won the league. Yeah. Admittedly, he didn't play very many games, but Blackburn were, I don't know if this is actually true, but Blackburn were perceived to be the richest team in the in the in the country because Jack Warner was spending loads of money on I don't know, I can't remember who he buy. Stuart Ripley, I think, cost a lot of money. Alan Shearer, um Tim Sherwood. Tim Sherwood and uh Chris Sutton. Yeah. And I'm sure there were some Paul Warhurst. I don't know how much he cost. Yeah. Um yeah. Colin Henry. Tim Flowers, you know, they, I think, I don't, they probably didn't cost much looking, looking back now, but if you compared their spending to other teams, they spent a lot more. Yeah. And one of the last players they bought before they won the league was David Batty, and they spent like three ish million, which was a good amount. It was, it was a good amount of money then. Remember, Leeds sold Cantona to Man United for like one, one and a bit. So, you know, yeah. He's he threw us three Eric Cantonas. He, he was a dedicated, tireless midfielder who, was more than just a hard tackle. I know we're going to come on to it later, but I do have a favourite assist of his. Um, and obviously, uh, to to assist a goal, you need to pass it. And it's it's like a perfect pass. And it was in the Champions League in uh, 2000, 2000, 2001, uh, 2001, and um, against Anderlecht. And Leeds were already 2 0 up. And it was just for half time. And I checked all this out uh, when it was. Yeah. And just for half time. And there's the, the ball sort of uh, comes to a group of almost lead player, a, a group of almost unmarked lead players in the just inside the Anderlecht half. And they some lovely little one-touch passes. And it just comes to David Batty, who for some reason this is the second furthest forward player. Yeah. You'd never expect him to be there. No. And he plays what when you when you sort of watch it without really looking at it, he plays just a through ball for Alan Smith, and Alan Smith dinks over the keeper. It's lovely, like one of those scoop finishes where he flicks up over the goal. It's a lovely finish. But then you watch the pass again, and it is perfectly weighted. And it, everything about it is exactly what you would have wanted if you were Alan Smith, because it actually sort of stops almost in front of him and gives him like split second where you can see he's thinking what do I do next do next and he's like okay I'm going to scoop over the keeper and it's like it's such a beautiful pass because it's a really no lovely little move and but that pass is um yes yeah, it's, it's a 
he could definitely do more than just rough people up. Yeah. So that pass is not really something you would attribute with a, I think I coined it midfield general, defensive midfielder. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't normally that far on the pitch, but he, yeah. he definitely had it. He definitely had it in his locker. And I'm going to touch on something. I know, I know we're going to come back to you later as well, but another, another reason why he was quite happy to take that penalty in France 98 was because he knew he could kick a ball. Mm. He knew he knew that he he had a touch on him. Mm. So what happened then? <laughs> uh, apparently, he changed his mind at the last second, oh, which is schoolboy error. He spoke. He spoke to Alan Shearer before he went up and said, "I'm going to smash it down the middle." Mm. My, majority mm. of keepers will always move, so I'm just going to go up and smash it down the middle. And he said, "I, I stepped up and literally changed my mind at the last second, and he dived exactly where they kicked the ball." Oh. Oh, fact, yeah. it wasn't the worst penalty because I, I think it doesn't it's like when you think of penalty misses and maybe it was because of David Beckham that sort of took the flack from from Bay so I think a lot of people tend to blame Beckham more for for his foul rather than sort of blaming Bay for for the miss maybe that sort of takes it away but also if you sort of compile the the the, the infamous England penalty misses like Southgate is number one, Stuart Pearce, Chris Waddle, they're the ones that are at the top of the list. You don't really think of Batty's penalty miss that much. I know. I I, I was think I've been thinking about is why that is, and I think it's a there's a couple of factors, and I think one of them is he didn't seem too phased. He he, he obviously it was a massive moment and. And there was a lot of pain and anguish, but I don't think he was too fussed. He said he said after the game, as something along the lines of, "I would have felt worse had I not said I would take the penalty than I do that I missed it." If that makes sense. If he yeah, didn't have a cut, yeah. the penalty, he would have felt worse. Yeah. But I think also also quite penalties admirable. were new, quite new, weren't they? Penalties were quite new in 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 Italian ninety. It was a they were quite a new thing, penalty shootouts. I think I mean. so, yeah. So it was, you know, when we unexpectedly got to the semi-final, played really well, and oh, that Waddle penalty, I swear, I swear that never came down. It, <laughs> whenever you see it, it just, um, you definitely don't see any downward trajectory on the telly. It just shoots yeah. out. I think that that has to be the worst. I think, because Southgate's is saved. And what happens to Pierce? Does his go over the bar as well? I can't remember. I feel like it was saved. Yeah. I think it was saved. The fact I mean, we can't least... remember it, that's probably, yeah. you know. It, yeah, so, well, I think the water <laughs> one was the last one, wasn't it? Well, the thing to remember as well, in that penalty shootout, Paul Lintz missed his penalty mm. as well. Mm. Um, but Beckham, uh, so Batty's was the penultimate, was... though, wasn't it? It was the last. Yeah. It was the yeah. last one. It was never taken a penalty in his life. Yeah. And Glenn like... Hoddle said, Glenn Hoddle said something like, Bats penalty? He was like, Yeah, boss, sure. <laughs> he he apparently really, really, really loved Glenn Hoddle as well. He always says he was the best manager he worked under. Mm. Well, I think a lot of players share the same opinion. Like Hoddle and I think a lot of fans as well. A lot of fans really regard Hoddle as one of the great managers. And and I I do as well. I think he was a fantastic England manager. It was just the whole faith healing 
so I think when that was sort of brought into it, that just really tarnished his reputation, which is a shame. Very strange. I still don't think I really know what that was about, or mm. it was. Yeah, I don't know. There were some comments I think attributed, and it was all over the front page of the newspapers. Mm. I think like had that happened during today's day and age, you'd have much better PA, wouldn't you? You, I think the PA management on that would be a hell of a lot hotter. I don't think any of that stuff would be allowed to sort of. Well, that was, I think, around that that time. The oh man, the press around England, England was horrible. Mm. Like they, they've even even some of the ex players now retired and stuff have said that a lot of those England players were scared while playing for England. They were scared they were going to have a bad game and get slaughtered in the press and stuff. Mm. It's it's horrible to think that really. I, I but yeah. I think that's something you have to give Gareth Southgate a lot of credit for. I mean, uh, tactically as a manager, um, I've got a lot of criticism towards Southgate. I'm not too fond of the way he plays, but in terms of... Builders? Oh, yeah, how many times is he going to play a right-back in uh, Kyle Walker? <laughs> how many, how many right yeah. yeah, do you want it in your squad, man? Come on. But, um, yeah, and how many times do you want to play with three at the back on it? Just... Get, get over that formation we can play for at the back Gareth. But anyway what what I will give him credit for is the fact that um he has kind of repaired the damage essentially between the the media and England and yeah. I think the the media have a lot more respect and a lot more um leniency towards the team and I think there's there seems to be a better relationship between the press and England. And I think that's, you, you, we talk about 98. And I mean, even before with poor old Bobby Robson, bless his heart. Yeah, but yeah England absolutely tore that man apart. If you're enjoying Under the Floodlights, then you might enjoy our other podcasts. The Triple F show is jam-packed with general football discussion. The Magic Of is a show which profiles special clubs from all over the world to find out all about their history, culture and their fan base. And the Triple F Cinema is where guests and I review weird and wacky football films. Essentially, I, I mean, I, I should have really started with this question, but I mean, why why was it you chose David Bat? I mean, is he your favourite ever Leeds player? Yeah, I think I think he is. I mean, Lucas Radaby's pretty close, I think. And yeah. probably Gary Speed. And then you've got Nigel Martin, Brian Dean, and Yaboa, not far behind that, I don't think. Yeah. Quite like yeah. Gary Kelly, you know, the list. Yeah. Could name a whole team if you wanted. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I it's I know exactly why it was as well. And it was because he was small and blonde. And <laughs> when I was little, I was small and blonde. And and I think it comes comes back to representation. If you see someone doing something that you like you're going to relate to them. And also my blonde hair changed colour eventually. But And, and then I, ha, I can still remember having um, like a poster. It wasn't really a, a, proper, a proper poster. It was like a page torn out of Match magazine of him. Yeah. I used to have on my wall. I, used to, I had quite uh, a few of those uh, as well, my friend. <laughs> share a bunk bed with my older brother. And... Um, I didn't have many things on the wall. Um, 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 I, was, I was on the bottom bunk. I didn't have many things on the wall, but one of the things I did have was a little torn out page of Match Magazine of David Batty. Um, and I think that he, uh, 
he just sort of he didn't he seemed to kind of enjoy playing football i mean a lot of i know that a lot of when i would have seen him when i was I was small would have been on end of season review videos and in fact i probably saw him play more for england on telly than i would have done leeds and then i mentioned match magazine and that was like something i used to read all the time i was i was in a fortunate position where i'd get it every week um because of when my dad worked which was oh, amazing when you're a kid I think you realise that a lot, I think the majority of people, when they have a favourite player, it is someone like a goal scorer or like a wizard, you know, like a Gaza or mm. a Lineker or a Shearer or somebody like that. And Leeds had Lee Chapman as their goal scorer at that, that sort of time. And I don't know, he was getting a bit old. And I think that he was too old for me to like him, mm. which I don't know if that sounds really silly, but I was, I was young and then looking back now it seems crazy because he's scored so many goals for Leeds mm. and then just as I'm growing up we go and sell him to Blackburn um, and replace him with it seems really odd replace him with Brian Dean who then pretty much became my favourite player <laughs> not a direct replacement obviously no Leeds sort of changed formation from a 4-4-2 to a sort of a 5-3-2 I think it was more Christmas tree yeah, the Christmas tree, yeah. Um, and ultimately, they replaced him with Carlton Palmer, which uh, I'll never understand that one. Uh, I'll never understand how he was, yeah, how, how that happened. What a strange um, series of events that is. Yeah. Yes, he, there was something about him just being kind of young and youthful, and I think that was part of the appeal for Gary Speed. The difference was that I looked more like David Bathy than I looked like Gary Speed. And playing football um, in my mum's back garden with my, it would have been my older brother back then, um, two walls, we had this wall that we used as the goal. And then there's like a little like bedding wall on one side. And there's like a curb that goes on the patio. And the little wall was, um, was Gary Speed. And the curb was David Batty. <laughs> Just because, like, Gary Speed was taller than David Batty. <laughs> that was it. And I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, David Batty probably scored more goals in my backyard than he did playing professional football. <laughs> See, I, I don't remember him actually playing for Blackburn. So, like, did he go back to Leeds United then after that? Or Yeah, he, he, he was at Blackburn for, I can't if it was two or three seasons, and then he went to Newcastle. Mm. Um, and he was there for another for there for about two or three seasons as well, and then he went back to Leeds. But yeah. um, it's it's a shame because really that that sort of his, I think he was about 20, 23, 24 when he went to Blackburn. Yeah, and it it seems he was probably one of Leeds' highest paid players. And, and seen as one of their best players and, and mm. the problem I think the problem was well, multiple aspects but Leeds won the league in in 92 and then the Premier League was formed and Leeds uh, did worse than Liverpool are doing this season and almost got relegated uh, we won I don't in fact I don't think we won away from home all season which is pretty abysmal can you believe <laughs> that can you actually believe that yeah um, yeah finished I can't I think it was 17th 
think it was 17. And um, we had spent quite a bit of money um, that season and it, we needed to recoup some of the costs and I think Howard Wickinson wanted to do like a mini rebuild type thing and unfortunately he was the one that wants to go. Uh, like I said, we got Brian Dean in and I love Brian Dean so I was and, and Rod Wallace started banging in goals mm. so it was distracting you know. But yeah, he was so he was at Blackburn for that first season was the year like I said, the year they won the league. I think that was 93, 94. Yeah. But he was injured for most of that. He played, I think he played, I think it was five, four or five games for them. And then he and went then to he, Newcastle after that. Yeah, and he was, so Kenny Dalglish took him to Blackburn and then I think Keegan took him to Newcastle. But Keegan wasn't there for long after he signed him, I don't think, maybe a year tops. And then he went back to Leeds and... Newcastle were in a bit of the doldrums. I think it was when Rude Hullet was in charge, mm. actually, which is uh, also strange. Kind of forgot that happened. Um, <laughs> and then back to Leeds, I think just just when Leeds needed him, needed David Batty, we had a lot of young players coming through, Woodgate and Smith and Kuehl, still reasonably youngish, I guess. And um, it needed someone like that, like an old hand. And obviously we got into the... UEFA Cup semi-final, Champions League semi-final. He had quite a few injuries in there, but um, still had a bit of the old magic. Still able to like stick his boot in and <laughs> lay off of the pass. You know. Maybe just having that senior figure in the in the locker room was like huge. I would, yeah. I, I'd imagine that it it um, yeah. There's a lot of experience there, isn't there? I mean, by then he would have played 30 or so games for England as well. He'd obviously won the league with Leeds, sort of won the league with Blackburn, played played uh, for a Newcastle side that finished second a couple of times, I think. So there's obviously some ambition there. Mm. And, uh, you know, he was a player that was able to get the crowd going on his own as well, which can make a big difference when you've got such a vociferous crowd like you do at Ellen Road. Yeah. Passionate, passionate crowd. Who do you think his best uh, central midfield partner was? Oh, uh, oh, Tough one. Yeah, I mean... Well, it has to be a Leeds player, doesn't it? Do you know what? Who I really liked... Although I don't actually know if how much they played together was Olivia Decor. Yeah. I mean, I should probably say um, Gary McAllister because <laughs> in the league and stuff. But I don't know, something about Olivia Decor, but I think maybe there was an element of similarity with their play and Decor was perhaps younger and had a bit more of a license to go forward and pick out some passes and stuff. But um, I bet I should probably go with McAllister. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose... I suppose you'd have to say what, what was David Batty's best spell at Leeds United. Although, like, I think you, you mentioned before, obviously his second spell was was still, yeah, they got to the Champions League semi-final and whatnot. I think he had a few but, too many injuries. The, f the first spell, the first spell, can't forget that um, Leeds won the second division, mm. finished fourth, and then won the first division. So yeah. it would have to be. 
Yeah. As much as getting to the Champions League semi-final, you know, and doing well in the Premier League, I feel like it doesn't really compare to winning the league and to winning two leagues. So. Yeah, exactly. So you got to give it to old Gary the Mac. Yeah, I mean that four, that four midfield four of um, speed, um, Batty McAllister and Strachan is pretty legendary. Mm. You know, was, and then you yeah. had Yaboa, and well, I suppose it would have fluctuated, but I suppose Yaboa was the main sort of striker in that time, and then. Um, well, no, Lee Chapman first of all. Yeah. And then sort of Rod Wallace, Dean Yaboa, Cantona. Can't forget Thomas Broline. Yeah. A few other random players. Uh, yeah. You can't really you miss Broline on the pitch either, could you? No. I still I still think he only played like because he I'm trying to think how long he was with us, and I reckon it was probably at least two seasons. And then he do you remember he went to Crystal Palace? Well, Thomas Broline. Yeah, he he I don't know where he where he was officially uh playing but he was on he got loaned to Crystal Palace about two or three years after he left us and he had there was a weird incident in a match where we played them and he he sort of like went down holding his head and they put on a bandage on his head but it kept falling off <laughs> it was odd it was odd it was a really odd yeah moment. I'm sure there's a YouTube video with it on just showing how bizarre it was he was that, that was such a wasted player. Yeah. Knee injuries, allegedly. Knee injuries and overindulgence. Yeah. Overindulgence and, yeah, hamburgers, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. But, um, I mean, you obviously, you mentioned his, your favourite assist. Was there a, um, a favourite goal? Because, I, I mean, how many goals did Batty sort of score? Because... Um, not many. I did look this uh, up and I've, uh, I accidentally closed my notes. Uh, officially, eight. N- nine, if you include one he scored for England under 21s. Now, my favourite goal of his was one he scored for Newcastle. And it's, it's a lovely goal. It is a lovely goal. I have to take you back to. Uh, possibly the, the worst week of Neil Sullivan's professional career. Now, you may remember Neil Sullivan played in goal for Wimbledon, and there's quite a famous goal that uh, somebody scored against him from the halfway line. Oh, yeah. That very same week, <laughs> David Batty lobbed him from about four, 35, 40 yards. Yeah. And aesthetically, it was a nicer goal than the goal scored by the other gentleman. Um, Sullivan sort of runs out towards the uh, edge of the area as there's sort of like a ball played over the top. A Newcastle attacker and a Wimbledon defender go towards it. And Neil Sullivan sort of, I think he sort of punches it out, but it doesn't go out too cleanly. And Batty hits it first time over Sullivan and it goes in off the bar. And it's like a lovely finish. And yeah, so under, a massively underrated goal. And I think one that was massively overshadowed because it was... It was only a few days after Beckham had pinged it in from the halfway line. It's the old yeah. golden, golden balls effect. I think it's because, yeah, David Beckham had a lot more poster appeal. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, pretty hair, I mean. yeah. yeah. I find it so funny how Wimbledon are essentially like the unluckiest side 
of of the 90s because they are the recipients of every classic amazing goal that was scored in the 90s because obviously you've got that Beckham goal you've got the goal that you just mentioned now there was that one of the Yaboa banners the one that he bounced off his knees which was essentially his I think because that he scored that goal against Liverpool which was really good but the goal against Wimbledon was like it just incredible because there was a bit of like dribbling and yeah like you say the sort of like thigh juggling yeah when his thighs Yaboa's thighs are like yeah because I always thought like Hassel, Jimmy Floyd Hasbang, I always thought like, oh my God, the size of that guy's thighs. And then I remember looking back at your bow and like, oh, nah, <laughs> the guy's a, a monster. Whatever happened to your bow? He like just disappeared off the face of the planet. Well, well there, there was a rumour that his he was older than he said he was. Um, mm. I don't know if you know, your bow's official date of birth is the 6th of the 6th, 66. <laughs> Um, which a lot of people think he made up. Um, yeah, does that mean he's like Lucifer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a link. Um, I think George Graham said that he came back from preseason training. He, I think he got a little knock and he put on a bit of weight. And what club George did he Graham, go to after Leeds? Then God, I did know that. Hamburger? Did he go back to Germany? Because he was at Eintracht. In Frankfurt, in Germany, that's where Leeds signed him from. Yeah. I feel like it was another German club. I'll look it up. Was it Hamburg? Or... Um, so it says here. Yeah, Hamburg SV. Yeah. Oh, Hamburg. I got it right first time. Nice yeah. one. Yeah, so you're right. Exactly right. He came from Frankfurt a um, couple of years at Leeds. And then I, I, feel like we might have, I feel like we almost had him on loan before we actually... Signed it. There was a lot of. I remember there was a lot of talk. This is this is where I have really good memories of Match Magazine. Um, there were so many rumours about strikers we were going to sign, and then we got this guy in from Germany who'd never heard of. I'd never heard of Ghana. Mm. And, um, I can put. I can even. Put, I can show you where it is on a map actually now because of your brother. Um, and he just came in and scored loads of goals. It was yeah. He was great. Yeah. It was just a brilliant character as well. I just remember, I think, yeah, if you just sort of see these faces and these, these, and I remember them from all these goal magazines and, and football magazines that we had and sticker books like Merlin yeah. and Panini and just seeing the likes of Yaboa celebrating those goals. And it's just a, what a, what a thing to behold. It was just, it was just brilliant to see. He scored a cracking goal against uh, Monaco in in the UEFA Cup. I think it was in Monaco, and I remember it not being on TV, but I can remember listening to it on the radio. And I only recently saw the goals, and one of them's an absolute beauty. Well, I think he smashes it in from like well outside the box into the top corner or something. Like absolutely mm. pinged it in. Uh, it was weird because I. It, it's something that never, I honestly don't think I'd thought about it in, in however many years that was now, 25 years or something. And and I just, you know, you on YouTube, you go down a rabbit hole. And um, I just saw Yaboa hat-trick against Monaco, or Leeds 3, Monaco 0. And I was thinking, is that when Yaboa scored hat-trick? 
and clicked on it and watched it. And I was like, holy sh that's a nice goal. Yeah. It's, it's a shame in a way that he didn't have the sort of like dazzling kind of um, yeah. international like or European months. career. But yeah, then, he had like a stellar 18 months, two years maximum. And then, yeah. Got a, got a niggling injury, put on a bit of weight, got a new manager in who didn't fancy him. And mm. we had that around that time. I'm, I mean, my timelines in my head is, is a little bit off, but we had Ian Rush on loan and we had um, actually, that was just before George Graham, Ian Rush and Mark Haightley on loan. And at the time, they were both well into the thirties, and I read, I'm sure I've read recently that Ian Rush actually might have signed on a free rather than on loan, because I think one of the reasons he agreed to sign for us was because he was promised the man he was promised he could become Leeds manager after Howard Wilkinson left, mm. and that just blows my mind. Yeah, well, what happened there then? <laughs> he scored like one goal in about fifty games. Yeah, yeah fifty games, but in thirty games or something, and uh, vanished. If you're interested in coming on the show for an under the floodlight special to talk about your favourite player or manager, please email the triple f two thousand twenty one at gmail.com or DM the triple f eighty four on Twitter. All contact details will be in the episode description. Hope you're all keeping safe, and thanks again for listening to the triple f. Yeah, well, I actually one one of the points I know you want to talk about was like the impact on his career of missing that penalty. I know mm. we we talked about the, the penalty miss earlier, but I don't think it really had much of an impact. He, because um, after that, then he went. I'm not sure exactly how how long after that he went to Leeds, went back to Leeds from from Newcastle, and Kevin Keegan became England manager, if you remember, and Keegan thought he was great. And I don't know if it was, if it was Keegan that said, I don't know, because he would have, I think he would have had him at Newcastle. Or maybe, maybe it was referring to Newcastle. He, I think it was Keegan. And he said, I didn't fully appreciate how good a footballer David Batty was till I saw him on the training pitch. And I think that's because, like Harold Wilkinson had, had put him into that role where he's sitting in front of the back four and he's sweeping up and, and giving the ball to somebody else. Mm. So I don't think... He, I think I can understand that comment where he wouldn't have he wouldn't have seen how good he was before he mm. But he uh, so he went back to Leeds and he was playing in the uh, Euro two thousand qualifiers and playing in all the friendlies and um, and then what turns out to be his last England game against Poland 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 I can't <laughs> say Poland what's going on. Poland got sent off and it looks a bit harsh actually if you watch it back um i would have thought yellow yeah, was quite near the end of the game as well and um and then he got a little niggling injury not long after that and he was obviously suspended for a few games i think and then got a little niggling injury and then as he was coming back from that injury he did his achilles in and he missed the rest of the season so he missed euro 2000 and by the time that was all over I think uh, Lampard had come into the England setup. I don't know if that means Steven Gerrard had as well. I'm not sure. Possibly, uh, yeah. I'd imagine. No Lampard as well. Not that I'm comparing them as similar players because they're definitely not. Um, 
but I think you know England had sort of changed, especially because Euro two thousand as well was a bit of mm. a last. Yeah. Um, and then we did we get Sven in after that? Was that when we got? Um, Sven, yeah, Sven was after Keegan, wasn't he? So. And it was two thousand and two. Was that Japan South Korea? Um, yeah. Yeah. So he would have been because two thousand and six was Germany, wasn't it? Germany, Holland, was it? Yeah. We not, which one did we not qualify for? Two thousand and six, wasn't it? I think. It was one of them. Yeah, because two thousand and ten was South Africa, obviously. South Africa. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, don't remind yeah, it me. It was. No, it was the Vuvuzelas. Yeah. Fucking Vuvuzelas. <laughs> that was so terrible. Uh, Whose idea was that? I don't know. They should have come up with fake, fake um, crowd sounds like they do now. If you could sort of pick any Leeds United player that plays similarly to David Bowie, I mean, who, who would you kind of say it was I, I I guess like that plays in this current Leeds United setup right now oh well I mean the obvious example is Calvin Phillips yeah I was I was thinking him <laughs> I mean they don't I mean I mean he plays in that sort of area um to Bathy, but it's, it's I mean it's not the same sort of role um, no. but he's definitely the, the closest um mm. he was obviously from the local area as well and he's come up through the youth system so there's a easy comparison there but also he Cameron Phillips likes to tackle um he's quite happy to leave his mark on somebody and he can pass the ball um, mm. I, I don't think that does either of them justice really um yeah but I mean maybe in the sense that like you were sort of saying with David Batty he was more than just a, a tackler more than just a you know an industrious player um and I think that's something with Calvin Phillips. You can see that he's definitely, and maybe this is where Calvin Phillips deviates a bit from Batty, is that um, it's quite obvious that um, Phillips is has that more to his game and is more of a rounded player. Whereas with Batty, it almost appeared to be a bit of a a dirty secret that the man can actually play football. That's a really interesting way of putting it. I think that. Um... I have to be I have to be honest, um, and I don't know a Leeds fan who wouldn't say the same. But until Bielsa took over at Leeds, I didn't know that Calvin Phillips could play like Calvin Phillips plays. Okay, I think that that is a huge, so the, the David, himself. So the David Batty comparisons are pretty relevant then. <laughs> in a, yeah, in a way, actually, because the impact a manager has on a player and on a team has changed so much since mm. Bielsa. I don't know if fans of other teams, especially in the Premier League, realise that the majority of our players, the players who are playing every week in the Premier League and are playing well, are the same players who struggled to take us to 15th in the Championship. They're the same players. Wow. We have Liam Cooper, who cost a couple of hundred K from Chesterfield, and the Leeds United fans nickname for him was League One Liam because they didn't think he was good enough for the championship. Yeah. And 
I personally, I, I like that is a, the Calvin Phillips is, is a great example because he was sort of like a midfielder and you didn't really know what his role was. He was a central midfielder and he scored a couple of goals, but then he didn't score for a while and he might have scored a goal. And, you know, it just sort of, he was a midfielder who came through the youth ranks. Never in a million years would you make any sort of comparison to David Bathy. And I think, Bielsa, oh, I cannot speak highly enough of Bielsa being able to not only identify a player's strengths mm. and their weaknesses, but also getting them to believe in themselves. Yeah. And it would be so interesting to see David Batty with Bielsa as a manager. I mean, I mentioned his honesty in his autobiography, and he says that quite... He's, he's completely he's so honest with it. and he says about how Howard Wilkinson's team talks bored him so he just sort, sort of stopped listening <laughs> and he didn't like all the moves they worked on and things now that is something that I know Leeds under Bielsa work on a lot so that makes me think Batty wouldn't have liked it but I guess you never know if you get a player to buy into the into the um, process into the plan. yeah the process the plan um then that's it. I think that's half the battle as a manager. Getting you have to get the players to believe. And mm. I think just trying to match up the player with the manager, you know, it's difficult. Mm. But when you've got like you have t- you have fans of teams kind of saying, "Ah, oh, he need the manager needs more time," and things like, "Oh, that player, you know, he doesn't show enough desire." Like a couple of years ago, I'd have been like, oh, well, if you, you know, he's obviously not interested, get rid of him. Or the manager's doing a rubbish job, get rid of him. You know, it's it's all his fault. And I don't know, just I've really changed my thinking about what a manager can do. Thank you so much for listening to The Triple F. If you could please drop a like on our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, that would be massively appreciated. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F.